Welcome back to Millennial Money. My name is Andre Jick, and I'm joined here today by the one and only Engaged Graham Stephan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Hey. Congrats. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Cool. That was awesome. Tell us the story. You went, I didn't even know that you, I didn't know Yeah, any I didn't of tell this. many people. And then you went to <laughs> LA. Yeah. You went to Santa Monica. Santa Monica Pier. And then you, you, you uh, proposed. Yeah, at the top of the Ferris wheel, by the way. Wow. The, that was the, the first yeah. date. That was the first, I basically, I recreated the first date. And then at the top of the Ferris wheel, I figured that was the perfect opportunity. Wait, oh, okay, okay. Did, yeah. But you knew you were going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew okay. it was going to be at that point on that day. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Do you did think she knew? knew? Yeah. Did yeah. you think she knew? Um, She says she didn't. I'm like, I think 85%. She was like kind of figuring something was going to happen. Uh, but okay. she said no. I mean, so I, I believe her on that. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's so. cool. I like the ring a lot. The oh, opal cool. is yeah. really pretty. It's different. Yeah, I didn't really want to cool. go with like a traditional, and neither did she. Like the the big diamond or anything. Yeah. Like that. It's just so overplayed. Everyone's got big diamonds. No one has opals though. That's yeah. Nice. So opals, opal is her stone. Uh, diamond is yours. Yes, yeah, correct. That's cool. I like it. Yeah, thanks. Congratulations, Congrats, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Do you Thank know when you. the wedding is? Uh no. No, I mean. Okay. Probably it's it's going to be a ways off just okay. because we're both busy. So, Graham, are you going to be selling tickets to the wedding? or That would be really funny to sell tickets to it. <laughs> um, here's the thing. It's like, I, part of me, I, I couldn't profit from a wedding. Right. Uh, so it's not like I could sell tickets and be like, oh, guys, guess how much I just made. You mm. couldn't do that. So it's either I'd have to spend the money back in the wedding, which I would absolutely do. But then it's like, well... Why don't you just pay for it and, right. and not have to do that? Right. So then I thought, well, the only option would, would have to be you do it for charity. And then at least if you're buying a ticket, you're really donating that money to a charity. That's the only way. But, uh, you know, probably not. Probably not selling tickets. Could, but could, maybe. I, I never want to say no. Could you imagine in the middle of, uh, of your vows? You're like, and, and this this next part is brought to you by <laughs> FTX, <laughs> our sponsor. I would, speaking of. The thing is, I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be a, opposed to that because that oh, would, because then you just, you, you put all of that towards the wedding itself. Right. And you could you could splurge in such a way that like I would have trouble spending money right uh, myself but if someone like FTX US sponsors it then I could be like guys you know uh, this all brought to you by FTX US uh, all the under, guests here yes. I want you to pull your phones out <laughs> and the app. there's a QR code underneath your seat you're gonna pull that out one of you guys is gonna be getting a full Bitcoin That'd so be cool. uh, that would be amazing that would be yeah. awesome I like, like half that. a Bitcoin or something I like, like that, that idea yeah. wow Wow. Sam, let's make it happen. <laughs> when you deposit $2,000 on the platform, <laughs> everyone's waiting for the money to transfer. Oh, that'd be great. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, now I'm, I need to I'm have open. it at a stadium, like, uh, you know, where the, the Knights play or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be like epic. Like an actual stadium. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a bad idea, but I think it'd be a great idea. <laughs> bad idea. It's a grand idea. So. It's a grand idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great different. idea. I listen. I've, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Have, yeah. Just to, put put a logo on the cake. You yeah. know, I'd be. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> just on the side. Yeah. yeah. Public dot com oh <laughs> slash forward slash Graham. Graham. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Just have a beautiful cool. thing logo. So, uh, so yeah. speaking of crypto, what's going on? It's coming back. The comeback is on, baby. Barely. I mean, what? It it stayed at 20, it dropped to 17, now it's back at 20. Yeah, but it still did something historic that people thought was not even possible, dropping below its previous all-time high. But here's the thing though, for previous dips below that level. Yeah. Is there now there's going to be a thing where it's like if it stays above 20, that still holds true because it didn't sustain for more than a week. Mm. Like there's going to be some some variation of like it has to sustain it for more than X amount of time or drop 
X amount below. There's right. going to be something. Yeah. No, I, no one ever thought that it could drop below its previous all-time high. So do you guys remember the uh, stock-to-flow model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's supposed to kind of like now invalidate it because the range for the price of Bitcoin of where it should be now, which yeah. I think now it's supposed to be like at $110,000. Whoa. And now it's at, well, it was yeah. at 17000 But now everyone's saying like, oh, stock to flow model's broken. And yeah. I don't think it's broken. But I it think. is at 20. It is at 20, yeah. but I will say it's not broken in the sense that the stock to flow model was never meant to predict macroeconomic factors. Mm. Like no one could have known there was going to be a major conflict yeah. in Europe crazy recession crazy interest rate increases yeah. like no one knew that was going to happen yeah. so i mean people obviously knew but they, they expected it but i'm just saying the stock to flow model has no way of predicting that so yeah. to it's me like, it's still not broken it's like analyst estimates in the stock market you know they'll be like oh the stock's going to 50 yeah. over the next 12 months and then it's at like 10 it's like wait what happened here <laughs> right uh but the difference is i i don't know how the stock to flow model works but analysts they start bringing numbers down so they're like um, we're going down to a thirty dollars price target, and they like adjust. And I don't. I guess the stock to flow model can do that, or it can't like no. change. It can't even. No, change all it's all. doing is it's it's just looking at finite resources like commodities, like gold and mm -hmm. silver. And a guy by the name of Plan B just applied it retroactively to Bitcoin. Okay. And all it's doing is just comparing the stock, which is like the amount of something in existence, to mm -hmm. the flow, which is like the rate of creation of it. Mm. And then based on that, they're extrapolating into the future based on demand and what you know how much people are buying now yeah. into the future based on the quantity because we can predict how many bitcoins will be you know in a year and two years and whatever so that makes sense yeah yeah hearing uh <laughs> there's so many subjects we can dive down here in regards to this that i have questions about like you know the miners and if they're still able to be profitable and things like that but just hearing bitcoin and in, in stock in the same sentence reminds me of i don't know if you guys have ever gone on google trends and typed in bitcoin in one of the top google trends in, in relation to Bitcoin, is Bitcoin stock price? Yes, and I'm I like, remember that. People really think Bitcoin's is a, a stock. stock yeah, like, Bitcoin stock price. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like, come on, people, <laughs> come on! I've man. seen Like, that. literally, it's like the that's third, funny. fourth uh, most searched term yep, next yep. to Bitcoin. Oh, no, that's true. Gosh. But yeah, miners are they still able to be profitable? Let's say it. Well, miners are too young to invest, so they have to be yeah. at least eighteen. What? What? <laughs> I'm talking about miners, like people that mine Bitcoin. Oh, no, I was just fine with you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, your, your face was so serious. I, I know. Was like, Wait, is he being was, actual serious? No, I was messing with you. <laughs> your face was super serious. I, I had like, to be. No. Otherwise, they're going to give it away. <laughs> no, miners, well played. Well cute. played. Oh, yeah. gosh. In all seriousness, can you still mine Bitcoin uh, in I, profitably? Or I, really? I don't mind. I couldn't speak on it. Okay. But I, yeah. I don't know because energy costs are so high right now. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I would imagine that they would scale back to a point where it would have to be profitable. Okay. Well, well, it's interesting because because the mining aspect of Bitcoin is what's putting selling pressure. Because think about it: if you're a mm -hmm. miner and you're and you're spending all this money towards energy, part of the way to offset the cost is to sell Bitcoin off, yeah. which works great when Bitcoin's valuable and it's at sixty k. Mm -hmm. When it drops to seventeen, you have to sell much more. Yeah. So it's sense. like kind of a vicious cycle that keeps feeding into itself. Yep. As the price drops lower, you have to sell more to make your money back. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I've been watching the Bitcoin price movements like a hawk, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. every night. And when I've seen these big movements down, dude, it is like straight down. I've seen that video. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a cliff. <laughs> yes, like literally a cliff. And so it almost looks like that's big money uh, potentially selling out. You know, like, like I don't want to say it's like a big investor, but it could be like a Celsius situation mm. or somebody that's forced to liquidate because it's so it's unnatural. Yeah, it's yeah. so unnatural, the movement and how it just goes down a straight line. It's not like a slow, steady kind of boop, boop, boop. Right. And so um, 
I don't know. And, and then I'm hearing conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's true or conspiracy theories or whatever. But there's what I'm hearing is there's like a war inside Bitcoin going on right now between some of the different brokerages yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of the different whales in Bitcoin where somebody didn't scratch somebody else's back and therefore it's retaliation. And, um, and it all goes back to this Luna situation, the Celsius situation. I don't want to dive too much. If people really want to go down that rabbit hole, go down your, your own Ooh, rabbit hole. There. I didn't but hear this story. Yeah, it's, okay. if you really dive in there, man. It's My, a whole some bunch. of it, I think, is so just out there. Remember the one with Citadel? Like yeah. Citadel borrowed money and then shorted this. And like, I, I bet they probably have better things to do than... Right. influencing the price of some of these coins. I mean, no, I imagine yeah. the same. But yeah. I, I will say one of my concerns was, did, did you see the the Michael Sail, uh, Michael Saylor's uh, position? Yeah, what about what? So he owns, uh, like, a, how many Bitcoins was it? Like uh, well, the company hundred thousand. owns, like, 130,000. 130,000 yeah. Bitcoins, that's right, at a price average of $30,700. Yes. So he's down, like, $1.25 billion. And people are worried that once Bitcoin goes down to a certain price, he can get liquidated, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that whole situation is very confusing. It doesn't make sense to me because what I've heard is they claim that Bitcoin would have to go to 3500 mm. for them to have to put up more collateral. But I'm like, how is that even possible? Because if their average cost is, let's say, 30000 how are they able to go down 90% before they start to get any sort of uh, put up collateral? So I don't know. It just from, seems like from, a weird situation. So from my understanding, his blended interest rate for what he borrowed. So he, he took out a loan for $2.2 billion, basically. Mm -hmm. 1.7 billion of that was uh, non-collateralized. Okay. The other 500 million uh, is owed seven years after he took the loan out. Okay. So I guess seven years from this year, or maybe last year, I guess he's been taking yeah. it out over, over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So in seven years, that money will come due, $500 million. Wow. The good thing is the interest rate is really low. It's 1.8% yeah. on average, which is really, really low. And considering MicroStrategy has a cash flow, mm -hmm. hopefully he can pay that back in seven years and hopefully yes. Bitcoin be worth more. So It's yeah. so risky it to is super risky. borrow and leverage on Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh my god! And, and I think part of that, that's, I mean, the market knows that. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so volatile. Because it's like, yeah. oh, are, are all these whales going to get liquidated that have these crazy positions? Because he's not the only one. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, playing micro strategy, that's almost like playing, uh, it reminds me of playing like a 2X or a 3X leverage ETF on Bitcoin price, essentially, where if Bitcoin goes down 5%, you probably expect micro strategy to go down 10, 15. Right. On the flip side, if micro strategy, if, if Bitcoin goes up 5%, you yeah. expect, you know, a 2X, 3X there. But yeah, that is a, Gosh. it's a very risky strategy. He's, yeah. he's going it's big. It's a micro strategy. It's a micro strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's funny. <laughs> it's a micro strategy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Bitcoin. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ethereum. All What's right. going on with Ethereum? Uh, do we like Ethereum? Do we not like Ethereum? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the sure, time? I've never like Ethereum right now. Oh, yeah. oh Alex, He's Ethereum. Back. <laughs> now, Jeremy, I've never seen you take this much interest in crypto. It's unusual. It's it's uh, yeah. it's odd for me to hear this coming from you. We usually hear this coming from I the know. other side of the room. Uh, what's what prompted this, Jeremy? Because it was like six months ago. Uh, yeah. I would tell you to, I remember I just buy a Bitcoin, buy any <laughs> Ethereum, just buy something. Yeah. What, what happened? Uh, it's very 
interesting now. The drama's here. And so I love crashing assets. If you know me, <laughs> I look for the crash, man. And Ethereum and Bitcoin are the crash. So Jerry's like, I'm the, I like to catch falling knives. <laughs> now, it would be funny if your wife was doing the opposite of whatever you're doing. She just did the inverse portfolio. Yeah. And so actually, like, you haven't lost any money. Oh, wow. Because she did like the, that. because she did the inverse. Of it, yeah. Right? I like that strategy. Now, shorted Bitcoin. Shorting every, yeah. everything he does. Hey, uh, before we get on to that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how much you down on Bitcoin, Graham? And how much you down on Ethereum? Oh, um, not actually. Oh, no, no. Because my cost basis on Bitcoin is probably 28, 29, 30, 31. Somewhere around there. Okay. So what's that? A 30% loss overall on that. Ethereum, I don't know what the cost Your basis face. is. What, 15 <laughs> to 1,800 probably on Ethereum? Jeremy's like... So, you know what? <laughs> how many millions oh, is that? I'm probably, I'm probably down 35%, I guess, overall. Mm. But I have been buying Bitcoin. I do buy Bitcoin and Ethereum still consistently. When was the first time you so, bought Bitcoin? What price was it at? Very, very, very first was like 15, wow, 16. Wow, okay. So yeah. that's how your cost base is fairly No, low. no. That was back in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I basically gambled it away on, on altcoins. Oh, <laughs> it went bad. Fun. Yeah. I made a whole bunch of money on, on Ryblox back then. Oh, I, I that is a genius. That remember that? Oh yeah. From gosh. like $2 to 40 something dollars. Oh. That, is, that is a genius. Jeez. Yeah. Dang. And now it's just like uh, down. But uh, no, yeah. actually, I think it's about the same price as where, where I forgot. I've just kept it all since then. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I'm down. I'm definitely down. But I have been just dollar cost averaging. And I just do that on almost a regular basis. Yeah. Fun, it's Fun just fact. interesting. Fun fact. Sorry. Yep. Jeremy, it, people have not lost money if they held Bitcoin for more than four years. Oh, yeah, but you know what? They, they'll true. say that until, oh, it broke it broke the rule. True. First but time so ever. Far it hasn't yeah. been broken. That's, so far. So far, but, it yeah, so far, it's never dropped below the previous right. all-time high. And yeah, and to that go. point, Andre, something, uh, an interesting study I found recently is basically 20K is such an important level because at 20K, basically half of uh, Bitcoin is above where it was bought and half is below. Mm. So if, if Bitcoin goes obviously substantially below 20, the more people that are now down on Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of interesting. But the, the, yeah. Sorry, the, the average four-year moving, av uh, four moving average price on Bitcoin is $21,685. Oh. So we are now trading okay. at this rare period of time where Bitcoin hasn't really existed too long in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if people are thinking about, you know, maybe putting something into crypto or Bitcoin specifically, then now would be the time to do it as long as it's under that 21,000 mark. Okay. And how much of someone's portfolio would you say is, is reasonable to invest in something uh, like this? That's such a hard question because I don't know. I think depends it depends on the person. person's situation. Okay. For me, it's, uh, I want to say like 25, 30% at least. Okay. But, but at least? Yeah. And that's just Bitcoin that's a, or crypto in general? Uh, Bitcoin specifically. Bitcoin specifically. Seems like yeah. a lot, 25%. I'd yeah. be just under 10. I think right now I'm about 4, 5%. Yeah. Uh, at the peak, it was eight, seven mm -hmm. to eight. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. now it's four to five. I want to say I invested like 10% and then it jumped up to like 50% of my net sure. worth oh, at wow. the peak. Yeah. yeah, at the peak, yeah. yeah. Now it's back down, obviously. But my, I would say my average cost basis would probably be around 25. Okay. 25K, yeah. That's not bad. That's not too bad. No, I mean, that's but way better still, than most people. Still, I can tell considering that. how long I've been in it to, for me to be down, yeah. as I can imagine how scared people must feel if they've never been through this. Yes. So. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the retail that got attracted, it was like 30K, 40K, yeah. 50K, 60K. Um, 
So, you know, if you got in it at any point in the past one to two years, essentially, you're likely at least 20 plus, but you're likely in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Did you so. see those memes that are like Bitcoin at 60K and there's like a huge line and people are like, oh, I wish yeah. I had bought earlier. <laughs> and then Bitcoin's at 17 and like, oh, Bitcoin's a scam. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Or yeah, Bitcoin's dead. It's like when it's down, Bitcoin's dead. And then when it's up, Bitcoin's a bubble. Bitcoin's dead. Bitcoin's a yeah, bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, one of the great ways that you could do that is all thanks oh. to our sponsor, FTX us down below in the description with the code mmftx they're one of the largest u.s regulated crypto exchanges in the world with millions of users who trust them to buy sell track and trade both crypto and nfts all in one place with fees that are uh, much lower than the competition they have no ach fees no withdrawal fees and uh no fees in the top ethereum and solana collections for nfts and i bought some bitcoin on ftx us the other night and i got a, a free coin with it because every coin? trade i bought some bitcoin actually did you actually? Yeah, a few what was the free ago. coin you got? Uh, I think it was Dogecoin. <laughs> Jeremy bought eleven dollars of Bitcoin <laughs> just to get the free yeah. Dogecoin. Ten dollars and one cent, and just get I it thought of that because I'm like, why not just yeah. buy like a smaller amount each time so you keep collecting. Technically, I I don't see any reason why you shouldn't do that. Because I, I bought five hundred dollars, and I'm like, I've, I should get more. Free I, I thought the same thing. Honestly, okay. <laughs> how many I know we're going way off. Make? <laughs> but like you should be setting this up it's too bad because they allow for automatic uh recurring deposits buys. yeah recurring buys yeah. so basically you could dollar cost average into the markets on a regular basis which is what we're doing but it would be nice if they could just set it so that you buy ten dollars and one cent every like five minutes or every yeah. minute over the course of like however much you want to invest so that way you continually just yeah i don't know what that would equate to it's probably not worth the time like one percent back that's what like, i was thinking i was thinking about that my time spent on that yeah, yeah at so. that point you're better off just using their crypto friendly debit card that's you know you could use at millions of merchants worldwide that is very oh, true wow, Alex. Alex. yeah that's what do you have to say beautiful. about it, andre you know what i agree with everything you guys <laughs> said it's great 100 percent couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, and that is the first link in the description down there. Yes, so. and, and they support the channel. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much again to FTX US. Or you could take out leverage like Alex. Oh, close that out. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah. slap on the wrist. So, again, the link is down below in the description. And big thank you to FTX US for uh, making these podcasts possible. Yes. Oh, quick question for you, Jeremy. Yes, sir. So, you know how the average uh, price drop in a bear market in stocks is like 34%? Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of articles now talk about this dreaded 45, 50% yeah. drop, which happened in uh, the 70s, right? Yep. Where, okay, so so uh, backstory, interest rates went up to like 11% in 1974. Um, and by 1975, uh, the stock market had pretty much plummeted 45%. Yeah. So do you think that's possible now? Uh, it's always possible, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> do you see that happening? the stock market... Is everything's on the table. I think that only happens if we go through a massive recession. Okay. We need a massive recession to get that sort of price movement down. Um, going into today, the NASDAQ was down about 33% roughly off all-time highs. The S&P 500 and the Dow have lagged big time. So the Dow going into today was only down 19.2%. S&P 500 only down 30 or 23.5%. Mm -hmm. Usually those are within five percentage points of the NASDAQ. So what's interesting is the Dow and the S&P have to catch up. Those have held up a little better because oil and gas stocks. I feel like I'm losing you guys. I'm not oh, losing you're, you, right? You're talking no. really fast. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm hearing it, but okay. tech was so, but tech valuations that's are true. so yeah. high. You're so that, saying that's tech, tech is leading the way. Yes, with the NASDAQ. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Yes, yeah, and in oil and gas stocks, and some of those have held up really well, right. done really well. So it's made the S and P five hundred and the Dow thirty uh, look better, I guess you can say. But 
at the flip side, if we're going to go into a big recession, likely oil's coming down. How does the Russell 2000 integrate into that? The Russell 2000 a lot of times can lead you there as well because people usually don't want to hold small caps in a situation that you're going into recession. Now, those can come back the fastest as you climb out. But I, it was interesting. The other day I looked at the Russell 2000 in the past five years, the Russell's only up 17% in, in five, five years. years. Oh, wow. Which is just awful performance, like just horrible. What should it be at? I mean, I, the other indexes were at like 30 to 50% okay. over the past five years. So just the Russell has been just an awful place for a while now. But um, yeah, if, if we're going to have that type of like halving of the stock market of the S&P, you need a real like massive recession. Like it has to be confirmed. The job losses have to be big and you likely have to get an event to happen that gets everybody into panic. So in 2020, we had that event. It was a once in a hundred year health event, right? That that caused mass panic. Once in a lifetime millennial yeah, event. Yeah, the VIX goes to 50 plus. In the great financial crisis, we had that event, which was like AIG, uh, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, all those going under. And so you have to have a like a shock and awe event happen in order to get that just complete capitulation where everybody loses their mind sell 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 outside of that it's really hard to get like an s p to go down like 50 percent. Yeah. it's not something that usually happens so um but i mean when i look out there it's really going to depend on many various factors we need oil to come down the more oil stays up i think the more likely we could have a big recession because that's just taking people's money left and right right now. You know, these gas prices at five, six, seven dollars a gallon is horrible. Yeah. LA horrible. was seven bucks. Oh seven. Jesus. Seven dollars. Some we saw almost as high as eight. Oh, and that's eight for the, dollars the, the for just gallon. the basic. For the basic? Uh, yeah, so the basics were about $7.09, and then they went all the way to like seven fifty. Wow. But some of the areas, like if you go around Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, it's like seven ninety nine, seven eighty nine. dollars It's like $8 Whoa. a gallon. Yes. I've, I've oh always my been curious gosh. how like gas stations that are relatively close to each other have such huge disparities in price. It's because uh, flow of traffic. So sometimes if people want the convenience, it, it's difficult to flip around sometimes in you know rush hour traffic. No, seriously. Yeah, that, that makes so sense. If, LA, if you're on one side sense. and you could enter on that side and exit that side and go right. in the same direction, oh okay, is that worth the premium? To I bet to a lot wow, of people it is. That's LA logic. Yeah. I've yeah. never because you can't that. That flip around. Sense, yeah. If if you're in traffic, you have to make uh, a, a turn, which is waiting a few minutes, and then you have to drive down and find another turn, wait a few minutes for that light, and it, it takes. Wow. few minutes that's crazy los angeles not as yeah. always do, easy do you as have a specific lit, gas station that you either go to or you avoid because for me it's like shell i just avoid <laughs> shell i haven't been to a gas station forever i drive the tesla that's funny oh you do you uh, drive the tesla. and here uh the the car i fill it up every few months okay like the ford i filled it up maybe three months ago and this volvo is going on like four months wow yeah, so I, I'm waiting for gas prices to come down and they can fill it up again. Because <laughs> I filled it up. I filled it up before before the crazy gas prices, both of the cars. So I was paying like $4 a gallon. I actually just so. filled up the Toyota that I pulled up in. Uh, 2017 oh, Toyota Corolla, yeah. $60. Wow. For 10 gallons. Dude. Wow. That's for nuts. the Toyota? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you're working minimum wage, uh, how do the middle class do it? Jeremy? Oh gosh, the middle class. <laughs> Tell us about the middle class, Jerry. No, the it's, middle class is if, if you, but no, seriously, like if you're in California making ten dollars an hour, twelve dollars an hour, and you're commuting thirty minutes to work, that's your gas. That yeah. eats up such a 
big part of your income that day. Well, I think, well, I think $10 an California. hour is not middle class. Yeah. I think that's below me. No, no, I was just saying it. Yeah. I was making a yeah. joke for Jeremy. No, even 60K, 70K, it like, oh my gosh, it just steals so much money. <laughs> Jeremy's like, how do you survive on $120,000 yeah. a year? Like, <laughs> With a family of four in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that's just crazy. I mean, in Los that's Angeles, crazy. that's a different story. Yeah, in yeah. Los yeah. Angeles, even 120 with a family is like, geez. How do you do it? $10,000 a month, only $300 a day for a family of four. <laughs> Graham's really? been feeling the heat with gas prices. He calls me up. He's like, hey, can you take me to Costco? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you go to Costco? So let me know. I'll hit your ride. Draw me off here really quick. I have to ask, is that actually for real? No. The fact that you questioned that, Andre, I like, even <laughs> thought on. that would be even real. Even no. <laughs> can you leave one yeah. of the kids that at home and plausible. leave me a spot in the car? sounds plausible, spot in the car. Oh gosh, yeah. Macy will keep an eye on Enzo. Just take me in the back. Yeah, I'll be with yeah. the baby. <laughs> what, the real scenario, the I'd ask Jeremy, "Hey, could you pick up some salmon when you're at Costco, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll reimburse you. Just let me know how much it is." Uh, salmon. We're in a recession. No. Oh. You better say chicken. Yeah. yeah, no salmon in the salmon recession. Too good. much. Yeah. Oh my Ooh, goodness. Yeah. Sam's Club. Uh, talk about real estate. What's going oh, on there? Gosh, Ooh. real estate. Got to give us your house update, Jeremy. Every nothing. week, there's nothing. No update. showings. No one. No. No showings. So, no. What are you doing? Uh, you gotta <laughs> probably take it off market eventually and just rent it out. Jeez. So you gotta you gotta have a plan. Yeah. Like, I, so yeah, what's the, the what's the the plan is take it uh, on market? Yeah, uh, likely. Um, gonna wait a bit more here. I don't want to say the exact. Well, date, you gotta reduce the price. Already did. To what? Uh, oh, okay. an undisclosed number, but I, it was, oh, it was well, your number. How it was much, your number. how much did you, yeah. It was no, your how number. What's, what's the dollar amount? Just share the dollar amount that you reduced it to. No, I still don't want to No, but you could that. be like, I reduced it 75 grand or. I reduced it a number. Uh, it's just. Do you know the percent? Uh, yeah, but I still don't even want to share that number. Oh, okay. The, the issue though with that is that you've already lost the momentum. There's so no like, momentum out I there know, right but, now. But, but, the, but when you price yeah, high or when you price at a higher number, all the activity comes in the first seven days. Mm -hmm. And so in this market, if you don't have either a lot of showings or an offer in seven days, maybe 10, yeah. maybe 14, yeah. then you miss that initial wave. So what you should do, and this is a, a, a trick, mm -hmm. is uh, a lot of agents have, have done this. Mm -hmm. You cancel the listing. And then you sign a new listing agreement because you can't on the MLS just cancel listing, put it back up so it's new again. But you can cancel the listing and then list it again okay. a week later. You should be doing that. So if it, you should have you should have consulted with me here, Jeremy, because okay. I would have told you not to reduce the price. Yeah. And then remove the listing off the market. Wait a week. Yeah. Put it back on. And have a new image as the front, like front image. So that way, people see it like, oh wow, this new listing, and they'll take a look at it again from the perspective of, oh, this is a lot more affordable. Yeah, mm. it's not too late. You could do it, but when they look back at the history and they see that you've already reduced the price, right. yeah. the issue that sets is, well, it was listed at that price before, right. and now it's listed at the same price. Is it really any better? That's the yeah. issue. That, but what you could also do is another trick: raise the price right now. So raise the price back mm. to the initial price, then take it off the market, then sign a new listing agreement and put <laughs> oh, it back geez. on. Woo. Yeah, wow. as long as yeah. So only agents who look at the price history are going to see that, but a lot of other people, it just shows up at the latest price it was taken off the market. Interesting. Well, so, how, how's the yeah. rental market looking like? Do you guys think that's going down, or you don't? You're not thinking that? Uh, I don't keep track um, of it enough to really. Because the reason I it. ask yeah. is because I just got a, a rental company, a rental management company, to help Ooh. me out with mine. So we'll see. 
Okay. Yeah. And Graham, yeah. how do you feel about rental management companies? Because I'm curious. Yeah, what's I might a good, end what's up a good rate to big, uh, big fan so far? So I rented a property in LA that I should have gotten $5,600 a month for, maybe 57 mm -hmm. And I put it on the market and it was slow. And I got showings, but just no offers. And I reduced the price after about seven to 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then I got an offer at, at five. And to me, that was really low, yeah. but it was easier. It's better to take five. And I was talking with the manage, uh, the management company because I don't pay attention to that segment in LA. Um, mm -hmm. But they were saying that in the price point above like 4500 to $5,000 a month, a lot of those people who would be renting are choosing instead to move to other states. Mm. And so, and, and that was the issue. The last person I had in there moved okay. from that area to Texas. Right. Mm. And I have another, by the way, another vacancy coming up. Uh, they've only been there for two years, but they're moving from, again, California to, I think it's also Texas. Mm. Have you ever so, managed a property yourself or have you always used a company? No, this is new for me to use a company. Oh, I've done okay. everything myself until the first manager I got like three years ago on a property uh, during what, a vacancy. What made you take the leap? Time. I couldn't. I wasn't there to show it. Uh, there were a whole bunch of little minor repairs. I didn't want to deal with it. Best decision ever. I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's still work on my end because they'll send me the tenant and then I do my own investigation on the tenant. Like right. I don't take them at just, even if they say this is a good tenant, we recommend them. I'll still like do some digging mm -hmm. and try to like see what I could, That's see smart. what I could find. Yeah. Um, there's been a few times where I found like the numbers that they've listed are not actually the landlords. So that's a big one. So I, what I do Anytime they give a phone number, I'll Google the phone number with quotes, and it shows you the exact result for that number. Sometimes they'll say, oh, this is our property manager. Google the number, it's not. It turns out to be like a friend of theirs, and when you dig into the real property manager, you'll find the real number. So people will sometimes lie on their applications. So I investigate Wait, everything. What happened? Wait, the tenant does that? Yeah. The so let's say the tenant uh, is not having a good relationship with their landlord. Okay. And they don't want the landlord to know that they're moving or let's just say that they're behind on their rent or the landlord would have something bad to say about right. them. They'll, instead of giving them as a reference, give the real name, but just give the number to a buddy. Got it. Hey, if you get a call, just say, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're John. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll pick up, yep, I'm John, and they'll they'll fake it. So I've caught wow. that so many times. You've it's caught common. that so many oh, yeah. times? Oh yeah. Jeez. It's common. People are clever. Uh, oh, I don't think exactly. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's the lowest hanging fruit. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, there's been one, this is a while ago, where I, I found the real, oh, you know what it was? They listed, they listed something as like a previous residence. And the number that they listed was like going to some person that was not listed on as the owner. And so what I did is I, I looked at the address and I saw it had been previously listed. And so I called the listing agent at the time. I say, hey, uh, I know it's super weird, but is there any chance you could give me your client's information? I, I saw you represented this property back then and someone's claiming to live there. It really helped me out a lot. And usually they're, they're all really friendly. I've been like, sure, you know, I'll pass your information along. Got me the info, I called them up and they say, no, they were terrible tenants. We had to evict them, they refused to leave. I mean, just just a whole bunch of stuff, so. Wow. So yeah. any pro tips for me as I get uh, qualified tenants? Do Be, I uh, what is it? Uh, trust but verify okay. is like the, the go-to thing. You can trust them, but just make sure, you know. Yeah. Would you recommend calling the uh the, the references usually no. the manager will do it but i verify that like that's real information why does andre have to do this shouldn't the management company do all this for him yeah but if you what's the point of having a management company they're then? they're never going to do it 
to the level that I would at least be satisfied. Mm. So I'm always extra cautious just because, you know, yeah. when you're going through dozens of applications a week, it inevitably something will slip through the cracks. And yeah. I don't want that to be on me. Oh, okay. Do you think that, so, so here's the deal that, that the property, I'm, uh, the property management company that I'm going with uh, gave me. So they said uh, 8% mm -hmm. of the total month's rent and the first month's rent is 50% of the monthly payment. Standard. Standard? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's standard. I pay 8%. Um, plus, yeah, it, I mean, it sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, sometimes, like, you could negotiate down, like, 7%. Um, I mean, you could always negotiate, but I found that, like, I'd rather them just do a good job. Right. And so it's not worth negotiating. Right. That's reasonable yeah, figured, to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And a good job is making sure you actually handle everything and making sure you verify. <laughs> no, but I've already taken all the pictures because I know I've seen their photograph. Like oh, no yeah. one they're ever, horrible. they're horrible. Yes. Just the whole industry yes. is so bad. Wait a yeah, second. The, the manager is not using professional photography. No one. I does mean, no one. What? no one. LA, what? LA, it's standard. No, not here. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Now I paid like 250 bucks for a professional photographer that the management company um, strongly recommended right in order to rent out the place. I went I mean, out of my way it. to spend hours getting these photos because the house isn't like perfectly set up like in the pictures. Mm -hmm. So I, I went out of my way to like Photoshop, like fix things that I know could be fixed with. Like, you took yeah. the photos yourself? Yeah. Okay. With like a pro camera, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it looks good. So I told them specifically, I was like, so hey, you photoshopped guys... out all the defects, like all the, Not the, <laughs> defects. the stains, <laughs> the, 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 the nails and stuff yeah. that I know are going to get repaired, you yeah, know, for sure. but, uh, the water damage, <laughs> the water damage. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> the foundation cracks. <laughs> Great, Graham. You lost me a tenant. <laughs> the rodents, <laughs> the rodents, <laughs> the roaches. <laughs> no, but yeah. seriously. Yeah. That's it's, funny. uh, okay. and I asked them to give me a discount. I was like, could you guys give me a discount considering I've already done all the photos and they're like yeah. no unfortunately we still have to pay the fees and all the stuff but oh man yeah, you I should tried. have asked that ahead of time before I you did took the no pictures. i did before you took the pictures not before i took the pictures i before asked, you take the pictures i mm. asked afterwards before i signed with them i said hey before i sign would you guys possibly consider giving a small discount and they said no unfortunately not so okay you get yeah. another quote yeah, well it's too late now I but ideally oh, i haven't signed it yet. oh you haven't signed it yet. get no. another quote so okay. with me in la i spoke with three people and i went with the guy who picked up on like almost immediately okay and leaves his cell phone there because i knew that like with you jeremy yeah. if if they pick up the phone and they're available um that's the person i want right the other guys i would leave messages and they'd get back to me like later that day it was like leaving a voicemail how many people do you lose as a tenant so uh specifically like, what time did you call them probably that was uh late morning After? early afternoon i mean it, it was during business during hours. business hours i mean i could excuse it if i'm calling at like 10 p.m right. or 9 or 8 i get it but right. yeah. oh that's worth that's worth trying so maybe yeah. i'll give them a call and see if they pick up. right yeah here's this here's the crazy thing the house that i rented for five thousand dollars a month here's mm -hmm. how just crazy valuations are for rents that property's probably worth right now on the low end 1.2 high end 1.3 wow for what five thousand dollars a month wow yeah dude rents have gone so crazy especially in the neighborhood that I'm in. There's nothing I'm, for rent. If, mm. if you get, well, there's I'd, nothing for rent there. If you, if you get that price, yeah. so be it. But, uh, yeah, but maybe I, cause I don't look at the rental market here. I'm very much like Los Angeles. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you get it, you know, more power to you. Yeah. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about rents. Everybody's being squeezed by rents. That's also destroying the middle class because how many people have to rent, man? Yeah. Uh, there isn't enough things. Um, all these greedy landlords keep raising <clears throat> their rents. <clears throat> I don't know. I've, I've, always, I've never been against renting as much as people on average in the U.S. I've always been like, oh, okay. you should never rent. It's wasting money. Yeah. I've never thought that. I think, uh, man, it, it's it's. You know, I think it was John Oliver did a whole piece on rent recently. Yeah, and I I've always that. felt conflicted mm -hmm. about renting right because it's like it, it is a need in, did, in sorry, the marketplace did you see the dave ramsey thing yeah he's like yeah, i'm a good christian there, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah yeah and then he showed a video clip of this one guy and he's like i don't care if you know they got uh, cancer or whatever oh. you know if they're not paying they're out you know and just stuff yeah, like that yeah, and just yeah. like the whole oh man it's it's a tricky situation because a lot of people feel like housing is a human right right, right? but at the end of the day like you're there to still run a business and and it's just a why don't they do that with matter. food what's that food food is a i, I feel like he, food is yeah. just as essential as housing if not more that's true so why don't people protest grocery store prices <laughs> really it's a good point i think i think the way it looks i guess you can say is like uh oh you're kicking my family out you know, you're kicking us out on the street. I think it's the optics of the way it looks in the right. context. And it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just the way it's perceived or it looks. And it's like this greedy landlord, you know, they're kicking us you out. You know, it's, I feel it's a shame that uh, just the system in general is so flawed and they place the blame and the responsibility on landlords. Yeah. Instead of fixing the actual issue of the fact that we need more housing. Mm. Um, the building permits this. are so expensive. Besides yeah. fixing the supply, is there anything else that could be done in theory? I think rent control is just a band-aid over the situation. Uh, mm. it, it forces landlords to raise rents because yeah. otherwise they lose the opportunity uh, if they don't do it. So right. they have to. Right. Um, I think if we... Is there any reasonable solution besides rent control or like supply increasing that could solve the problem? Well, like, like for example, yeah. uh, not allowing institutional hedge funds to buy, you know, uh, real estate. <sighs> no, I, I feel like there's always going to be a way around that. And in a way, institutional buyers, if they, at the end of the day, if they're renting out property and they're not just holding it empty, then they're also adding supply and a way to the market. Um, but they're also, you know, increasing their but prices. That's, but that's yeah, also, exactly. but that's also showing that. But it's not just anyone could raise prices on that. You don't have, and you could be a terrible landlord being a per, private person versus an institutional. Yeah, but the landlord. amount of money that those companies have versus, a, you know, a private buyer would be a lot less. So the argument yeah. here is that the institutional buyers are heating up the market so much because but, they're but competing with money. Most my point don't is have. that all of these are just like just temporary solution fixes to like say, oh, look, we did something. Right. But 
it's it's like you know if you have a headache and you just uh, take more Advil. Yeah, like you take more Advil. I drink more water, but like, what if you have a brain tumor? No, that's fair. I follow. So you. I, I don't I, have I a think, position. But. Yeah, I think the solution has to be you need more housing units. That's right. the only thing that's really going to bring down costs. And to do that, you have to loosen some of the regulation and make it easier and more accessible for people to build. Right. It, it the the process is so stringent. Let's say in Los Angeles, if you want to build another unit on the property, well, guess what? If you have a single family property and you want to build uh, a guest house. Well, now you now the property is uh, considered a duplex, and that is now subject to rent control, whereas mm. before it was not. And so you're limited to what you could do because of that policy that's in place, not to mention how expensive it is mm-hmm. and how lengthy the, the process is to build a guest house yeah. if you want to. I, so I think if they just made it an easier problem, I think it would benefit so many people. Like Not mm. only would homeowners have yeah. the option to turn their backyard, a lot of unused space, into uh, a potential way to generate income. Yeah. But it would also add to the supply. You just I, need more supply. I imagine the real answer is probably somewhere in between where it's like, it's it's that, but it's also maybe a couple other things. Yeah. Too. Maybe rent control is not one of them, and I don't have enough research to, to justify having a strong position on this, but it seems to make sense that if you don't allow, you know, billion-dollar yeah. companies now, to buy it. That, that's Vegas, where it gets complicated. Now, Vegas actually has an interesting um, uh, approach with this, is that if you have a primary residence, you can only have one, uh, then your property tax increases are capped at 3% versus if it's um, uh, just a second property or a rental, they could increase your property taxes up to a certain amount, like mm-hmm. 8 to 10% every year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be an option. And then, but but it, uh, but also depends, like, where's that money going? Is it going to, to line the pockets of people wasting it? Then I think it's terrible. Yeah. But if, if that money goes directly to, making the process easier, hiring more people but, but to go out and, and inspect these properties and, and, and expedite the process, like waiting for See, someone to go I mean, the issue is look the, at jobs. The, the big company or big fund or whatever, they raised $250 million, right? So now they got to go invest that in the market. Now, uh, John and Carol got to compete against this big fund for that house. They get outbid because the fund has way more money. So they buy that house, right? Now, John and Carol can't buy that house. Now, simultaneously, you have this massive buyer buying up all these homes and makes prices go up, right? Which is great if you already own a home, but for the new right. couple trying to buy a home, now those folks have to rent. Now, on top of that, if if all the supply is being taken out of the market, rents are going to keep going up. So John and Carol keep getting squeezed simply because of a somewhat broken system around these folks being able to get money for so cheap. Right. You know so, what? I mean, not, not but mention, when you look at the data, on, not, not yeah. to mention though, uh, like real estate globally is extremely expensive in mm-hmm. relation to the U.S. Like, well, what is our yeah. average uh, income to purchase ratios? Like, yeah, like on average, it's like five, I think. Mm-hmm. Like nine in L.A. or California, yeah. like three in the middle in the Midwest yeah. or something. But like, on the on the most part, in relation to other parts of the world, like I, I think in China, it's like excess of like thirty oh, plus some of the big in some cities. cases. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, imagine the amount of money that's also coming in from international uh you know international money that's coming into the u.s yeah because we're cheap still yeah. so is that maybe part of the solution where it's like you don't allow you know foreign money to well, enter that's the market. canada that's what canada did but in relation to your point when you at least look at the numbers mm-hmm. and i know everyone has their own anecdotal story and say oh i you know i bid on this house or i i was listing this house and my experience is different but when you look at the actual numbers on this, and again, who knows, uh, everyone's going to have something different to say. Right. They yeah. make up such a small percentage of the market. I mean, it's like under 1%. Right. 
So if they well, make up such a small percentage yeah. of the market, then it wouldn't matter placing restrictions on these big institutional right. buyers because there's so little in the market. Yeah, so I don't good, know about that. I mean, you know, Reventure Consulting, that, that channel, yeah, that yeah. guy goes really in depth. And he was showing some areas of like Atlanta where like 30% of the buyers or big money, right. like institutional type buying in some right. of those markets. So I think it depends on but a some state of that, by state. But some of that is skewed data. He mentioned today, because I watched his videos as well, mm -hmm. that uh, only 84% of tenants pay their rent this month and or, or something, whereas the, the norm is like 94%. But he's again, he's citing a study that I mentioned two years ago mm -hmm. that like, that's, that's normal. It's only like 70% of tenants pay their rent in full within the first five days. Mm -hmm. And he cited that as the, that, that, Land, landlords are not getting their rent without showing the full picture of like, that's normal. And the 94% is paid in full by the end of that month. Mm. So there's data that, that it, it's, you have to explain every little piece of data yeah, for it to make sense. People, and yeah. so on a small thing like that, you could go into three minutes explaining yeah. this, this is how the data is pulled and how they calculate it. Yeah, but that's not the sense. full picture. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you think um, that in any way, shape or form kind of like relates to how the Fed gives like CPI data where it's like, is it really 8%? Oh my gosh. It's like, are, are the numbers, the I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, well, yes. I mean, there's so many ways that they could manipulate those numbers to right. bring it down and make it artificially lower. Right. So, and, and that objectively, when you look at how they calculate it, there's a lot of things that they can't skew in their favor. Right. That's fair. Like I, I knew you talked about it. The, the, what was it? Uh, rent. Uh, oh yeah. Equivalent. Owners, oh, yeah there's equivalent. owner's equivalent yeah. rent. Yeah. That's not going to be an accurate guide, right? Uh, but then again, it's also difficult to say because when you have a tenant who signed, let's just say a five-year lease, or let's say say two-year lease, okay, uh, they're not going to see a rent increase during those two years, even though let's just say market value of that rent maybe went up thirty percent. So, do you calculate it based on right. market rate rent at that time? How do you balance the two? It becomes difficult. So owner's equivalent rent kind of makes sense, but it's also not the most reliable. Right. Uh, I don't know how you would balance it overall, to mm -hmm. be honest with you, because uh, a lot of tenants are, are baked in. They could be rent controlled right. that skew that. So leasing a place today might be different. Yeah. Well, it, also for CPI data, it never made, like the core CPI metric never made sense to me, where it's like, oh, we exclude mm. food and gas prices. It's like, thanks, <laughs> I'm just not gonna yeah, eat but, or well, you know, fill up my car The this purpose month. of that was just excluding <laughs> items that volatile. might be volatile. Yeah, I know, but that it's like, volatility has nothing to do with like how I live my yeah, life. But, I but, need to eat and but I here's fill the up thing, my car. But here's the thing, you don't want to include necessarily, you, you wanna have a separate metric so that inflation is like, all right, uh, this week inflation is 15%. Next week it's seven. All right, the <laughs> week after that, uh, it's negative because gas prices went down. Oh, no, but, but like they, right. they want to separate the two just so that you could really isolate each point. And so that's sure. the reason why. It makes sense to me. No, it makes sense. Um, it just also skews the numbers and you know, their But favor. that's why they offer both CPIs. Right, exactly. Yeah. I tend to pay attention more to the CPI than the core CPI, but mm. I know there's also the PCE, but that's a different story. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, and then the problem with those, and I know we've talked about this before, is a lot of them are backwards looking, yeah. and uh, things can change, you know, right. very, very quickly. So, right. um, but, yeah, I mean, real estate's in a tricky spot with these interest rates. Now we're, I think we're over, well over 6% on a 30-year, I believe now. Five and a half to six and a half, depending on your loan. Yeah. Crazy. So, yeah. That's just, Where do you guys think the federal fund rate will probably end up at the end of the year? Three and a half percent? Probably about three. Three? Three and a half? Okay. Yeah, somewhere in there. That sounds yeah. pretty real. What are we at right now? One, seven, five, yeah. I believe. So, so at that yeah. point, prime rates should be six, six and a half, which yeah. means mortgages at that point would be 
somewhere between six to seven. Yeah, it could be seven by the end of the summer, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a messy that and that can move on the ten year too. But it's a messy situation because. Uh, even as inflation starts to come down, because we're from such a high number, like the Fed's going to have to keep raising. So even when it drops to seven and drops to six and drops to five, it's still like insanely high. So right. likely the Fed's going to have to keep raising. That's the. It's just a question of like, is it seventy five basis points? The fifty basis points? They tame it down to twenty five basis points. We need oil to go down. We need commodities to go down. And almost hardly anybody pays attention to commodities. Wheat, corn, oats, those sorts of things. We need those to keep going down. So you know how for the last decade we've been in an environment where we had like artificially low interest rates. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we've now entered maybe potentially the next decade where rates are just not going to be low? Woo. Uh, <laughs> I think only if we had a fairly strong economy throughout that time. Okay. I think if we or got really high inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to have sustained really high inflation is going to think it's going to be difficult uh, because you need things to keep going up. Like let's say seven percent eight percent then next year you need that same seven eight percent then the right. next year you need another seven eight percent i think that gets difficult yeah i don't know i mean you could end up in that wage uh what do they call it the wage price wage price spiral yeah spiral yeah. so let's hope that doesn't happen <laughs> you could but. end up in a spiral yeah <laughs> where it's just kind of spiral like, thingy yeah spiro I you you know as soon as it, unemployment <laughs> Alex Alex got my reference Alex you got it I love Spyro I you know Spyro. as soon as unemployment starts to go crazy whenever that is if that happens you know they're going to start bringing down interest rates because that's when um, everybody starts caring about that right now everybody's very focused on inflation yeah jobs are out there at least they have been out there yeah. if the jobs go away then everybody stops caring about inflation then everybody starts caring about jobs, jobs yeah. if everybody starts caring about jobs then that's when the Fed. Well, you know, did, you, did you see what Jerome Powell recently said? He, he literally said, and I almost quote word for word, where he said, if you're a young person trying to buy a house right now, you, you need a bit of a reset. Just mm. kind of a hard stance. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. You need a bit of a reset? You need a bit of a reset, yeah. Now, are we talking about the biggest wealth transfer in history? Yeah. <laughs> the great reset? The great reset? Did yeah. oh someone say the great reset? It'd be funny if he's like, you need an inheritance. <laughs> you need an inheritance. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you guys, you know, as somebody who is in the middle class trying to buy a house, it's, uh, it's Upper tough. middle class, Alex. I, what? Oh! Upper I, according middle to, class. To, to what? According to statistics? What, what's upper middle class? Ooh, I don't know. It depends on the state, I suppose. What's upper middle class? All right, look all right. Up upper, all right. Middle Slightly class? upper middle class. Uh, I always think go. upper middle class is 100K up income. That's, That's, That's my, yeah. in my six Oh, there you figures, go, Alan. Yeah. You're making uh, six figures uh, this you, year? Let's not talk about that. But uh, so <laughs> as somebody who's buying a house, I find it. Not after Ethereum what dumps. You, <laughs> no, yeah, hey. not after I get margin calls. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely not. What do you see, Alex? It, it's difficult. Like I'm doing the math. Um, obviously we're like stockpiling cash, but I'm looking at these housing prices and I'm like, I can't, ideally I would love to find something cheaper than, than what I'm looking at, but I can't find any good. Well, what's the price range you're looking at right now? Um, the price range I'm looking at, the price range I want to be Well, let's, do, let's do both. Let's do, let, hold on. Let, let's do both. What price uh, are you are you wanting to buy? Like maybe not you can afford, but what you want to buy. I would love to buy somewhere in like the 400s, okay. um, but ideally to stick to like my budget and what I really feel comfortable in. Uh, personally, I'd love to stay between like 250 and 350. Right. Yeah, probably not buying 250, 350. Here's the issue is that they're not building constructions in that price point so 
what you're getting, Alex, is a trickle down effect where the people who can't buy these like $2 million homes are buying the one and a half. And the one and a half are buying the ones. It trickles down so that your price point is the most competitive because it is the most um, affordable to the, to the widest range of people. And they're right. not building $300,000 homes. It just right. doesn't make sense. And it, so, it's, it's yeah. crazy that Vegas now the median home price is like four hundred eighty-eight thousand. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, I think it, what's what's more insane, it's going to be easier to score a good deal on a one and a half to two million dollar home than it is. That's true. Five hundred grand. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, renting, I don't see a reason to buy in twenty twenty two, Alex. Like, I think this is one of the worst years you can buy. Like, there's just no doubt in my mind, real estate's it's already going lower. Like factually, like. I can't sell my house. I have to lower price. No one in that neighborhood can sell their houses. They have to lower price. If they keep it, their price are not Well, Jeremy, what was the recent comp for your home? Cause, cause I that, don't want to get into specifics, okay, but yeah. that whole neighborhood's not selling. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> now, that whole neighborhood's not selling, so it's not like there was a direct problem with that. The, the whole thing, like I, I told you about the company, they had like two showings. Like there's no yeah. showings right now. Yeah. There's no buyers in the market right now. Does yeah, it have a, none. I know. It doesn't have a pool, right? No. Okay. There's no Let's buyers talk in about the market. square footage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, even LA um, has been slower for showings. Just yeah. Across the board for sale. Now, what I'm told, though, is under $2 million in Los Angeles is still really good. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but under, two, under $2 million in Los Angeles, I mean, that's like well, the, the what's the average median? house. Average is $2 million. Well, I know. I mean, I mean, exaggerating, but in the yeah. areas that like from West LA to like West Hollywood. Right. That's about what you're getting. Okay. I mean, that that's the entry point is probably about one three to two. What's I like mean, the that, actual average in LA, the entire LA, like a mil? Oh, probably about a million. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Which crazy. sounds, you know, but that's including the areas like by the freeway and stuff like that that mm. you know aren't wow. as desirable in terms of their would location. You, would you live in LA again? No. No. Okay. No, I we went back there for a few days, and uh, it's it's odd. Sometimes when I'm here for like three months at a mm-hmm. time. I kind of think, oh, it would be nice to, you know, go go a weekend and and just relax over there. And get there, I'm like, I just want to be back here. That's funny. It's for down for the first time. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten so bad wow. from one perspective. Just traffic, uh, you right? could, yeah, just everything. We uh we got a pokeball and uh, a pokeball. Yeah, we got a pokeball. Yeah, oh, so I measure bad. things by like so just, just Pokemon just my in my head. <laughs> okay. I got a pokeball. <laughs> no, so we got this place here. Uh, what is it called? Pokey Poku, mm-hmm. and you get like this big large mm-hmm. pokeball for like fourteen dollars and fifty cents, and it's large, so it has four scoops of fish. Two and a half. Well, in LA, we went to, and we didn't even go to a nice spot. Like this is like close to mid city by like the four hundred five freeway. And uh, like where the ten intersects, we went to a pokey spot there, and it was twenty dollars for the medium. Didn't I? Didn't even get the large twenty wow. bucks, and it just, the thing just horrible in comparison. It's like, wow. yeah, you know, it's bad. Wow, everything. Gas prices are so high. Um, the traffic. Do you ever see was, yourself uh, selling or renting that house down the road? Yeah, the Santa consider. Monica. You'd consider. I'd okay. consider. So you're at, at the point. point where you're at least in consideration. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the more time that goes by, the more I'm I'm leaning in that direction. Wow. Okay. But right now, it doesn't make sense because I like just having a spot to go back to every you know sometimes, few months just to, for a weekend or something like that. Sometimes I think yeah. about that with my Arizona house, yeah. not because I don't like Arizona, but because it's so scary. Yeah. Oh, here, snakes here, and scorpions. Let, let me yeah. ask your opinion on this. So, so one of the things I want to do with my house is either rent it out, or I was thinking of having my parents sell their house, which is which is a um, townhouse. Okay, it's worth like 
uh, between three to four hundred thousand. Okay, and uh, sell that home and move my parents into the single story, the one that oh, I just purchased, yeah. and then using some of that money to remodel it, just bring it up to speed, and then whatever's left of that, let's say it's three hundred thousand or two fifty or whatever it is, mm. maybe I could use it toward just mortgages and just pay pay it for my parents. Wow, because my parents are getting older, and yeah. I don't want to I don't want to have them live yeah. in a two story. Yeah. So I was thinking of doing that sense. and I would trust them over like, you know, any other tenants. I would probably rent your house and find them a great one story closer yeah. to you. That's what I would do. Yeah. Because mm. I want to buy a house right now at these rates. Yeah. No, these prices. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's, that's cool that you want to do that for your parents though, yeah. and really help them out. Yeah. Like, you know, relationships are different for yeah. different people. Yeah. So that's powerful. I don't know. I would wait until you, you get a little more money in the bank and have a little more. Because that's a that's a yeah. big commitment. I was thinking that And too. that's like, yeah. four th basically, you're committed $4,000 a month right. for a long time. $5,000. Yeah. Yeah, five, you spend $5,000 a month for yeah. a long time. Yeah. I personally think yeah. a YouTube career that's doing well for two to three years right. is not I agree. Long, long enough to be I, able I to agree. sustain that. I agree. If you, if you had like $20 million right. net worth, right. I would say with it, then it doesn't matter. Right. But yeah, I think no, it's I too agree. risky to lock it yourself into that. And, and you don't want to be in a position ever where you say, mom, dad, like, I'm sorry, right. it's too right. much money. You got to move. Like you right. want to be in a position where you could comfortably say, don't That's worry about point. it. That's a good point. And it's actually one of the reasons I want to do it is because it motivates me to keep going. It's, yeah, it's one that's of the true. reasons where that's it's like it actually point. gives me a good reason. Then I think you're better off just giving them the money directly. And then that way, it's not like you're locking yourself in, but should something, God forbid, happen, you, you're you not obligated to like either. What do you mean give them the money directly? Uh, you're saying it's $5,000 a month? Yes. Instead of instead of putting that in the house, oh, I see give saying. them the money directly. I see. And then that way, there's not this expectation of, well, you know, the right. market's not doing well, the right. channel's not doing well. Right. You gotta You're move. always gonna do well, Andre. Don't worry yeah, about that. I'm, I'm <laughs> always, beast, I'm man. always really cautious on stuff like this. No, so guys, same here, same here. Yeah. You guys want to hear my, uh, my idea? Yeah. yeah so Alex. I don't know if I'll do this, but obviously I like to throw ideas around in my head. Uh, my parents are living with my brother right now, and there's a house that is in the area where they kind of settled. Um, and I considered buying it because it's like 180 grand, um, and then renting it to my parents. Mm. Uh, because they're on social security now and it's, I know they'll take care of the house. It's guaranteed income, but, uh, I don't know if I want to take on that risk to be honest, especially before I buy a house. So, right. What's the, what's the, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I personally, I wouldn't. Yeah. But you could see why it's kind of appealing. Yes, though. I, I yeah. would. I, yeah, I could. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just an idea I threw around my head. Probably not going to do it, but, uh, it's on. It was on the table for a little bit. I'll probably rent it out first and then see where it goes from there. Yeah. When is it going on the market? Uh, probably in a two, three weeks. Really? Yeah. Now, would you allow your would you allow a subscriber to move in? What if he's like a subscriber? Or if they're him or her? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. I think you should tell them to reach out to you on Instagram if they want to rent your house out. Oh gosh. Why? Uh, the the yeah. income level that you'd have to have to. Get I think you'd be surprised is. at who watches the channel. That's that's, that's more true. of my. You'd be my surprised, channel. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's like my subscribers if, are rich. Yeah. Well, then why don't they buy your house, Jeremy? <laughs> Instagram Explain story. that. Yeah. I want ten percent cut of Andre's. <laughs> uh, I've been so impressed by your channel, though, Andre. Oh, you know what you've done in the space has just been amazing. Thank you. you know, I, I don't know how long it's gonna last. But. Oh, it's gonna last a long time. It's been incredible to watch the whole journey, the finance. I don't know how many people actually know and graham and i you and i reflect on this sometimes i don't know how many people actually know 
you know, like how the community kind of started and really like blossomed in like the big steps that were along the way. Because I feel like a lot of people came across the finance space in the last few years. Yeah. They don't know like what it took to kind of get there. Right. Jeremy was the seed that kind of just was like <laughs> one, Yeah, Jeremy was one of the seeds. Minority Mindset, yeah. I think, was doing a little longer than you. Yeah. Beat the Bush was one of the first, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, I was looking at it, you know, when I started in 2016 and there was like no one having success. At you were that the time. stocks guy, though. I, I would say like the other yeah. guys are more like personal finance. So you it, were... Yeah, the first video I actually had that that took off or got started getting views was how to negotiate a car deal. Mm. And I did that in the summer of 2016 and it started to get views and it was my thumbnails like this. <laughs> and it, it goes into like how to negotiate a car deal. And um, and it was interesting, like. I think I was probably one of the first to make like a full-time income and kind of like open the door. And then uh, Ryan Scribner, from what I remember, was the second person to go full-time YouTube. He, uh, which I don't know how much he posts now, but he left his, uh, he was an electrician mm -hmm. and left his job to also do YouTube full-time. And this was like, that wasn't, you couldn't even conceive of that back then. And then I think Graham was the person that was very important because he busted the door down. Yeah. Like, whereas maybe I hope opened the door, he busted it down and just yeah. like took it to crazy yeah, levels. Yeah, yeah. And then I also remember there was a guy in 2017 who started popping out of bushes. And I didn't like that guy because he used to use Graham's name all the time. What Graham Stefan isn't telling you and stuff like that. Oh. And that was Mr. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. And um, and he came out with a different, a different approach that no one had done that at that time. No one had really like used other people's names. Now it's very common right. in YouTube space where people plug my name, your name, your name, yeah. and like you know what this yeah, person yeah. isn't telling you or whatever yeah, yeah. right but at that time no one was really doing that he was the first and uh i was i i got a little offended by that because i'm like this isn't the way you do it man you build your own brand why right. are you using other people's right. names now it's just it's so commonplace yeah, you know yeah. but he well, was his the thing first were, really were exposed videos in the very beginning yeah they were all exposed they were hit mm -hmm. pieces and yeah, there were some yeah. videos he posted that i was watching them thinking oh man this is <laughs> i'm next this is no no no, no. i never <laughs> thought i'm next okay. i'm thinking like this is it's it's bad, and I've and I've openly told Kevin to take the video down, take it down. What he did is like yeah. it's too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it from the perspective of like yeah. for for entertainment and information. I thought like some of these videos were so good, like I would watch them again today because yeah. they were that good. Yeah, but it's not. I just did not feel like it was uh, the the right mm. uh, yeah. way to. I don't know. Didn't you from get a in trouble from yeah. somebody like from one of the videos he did where he used you? Didn't you get in trouble from your real estate company or something like that? Yeah, or? that was the very beginning. Uh, he did a video titled "What Graham Stefan Isn't Telling You." Okay, and um, yeah, I saw it as soon as he posted it, mm -hmm. and um, I, I didn't think anything of it, and I thought it was fine. I mean, I remember watching it and realizing, like, wait a sec, because I talked to Kevin two months prior to that. He oh, he wow. actually sent me a cold email. And he said, hey, uh, you know, I'm also in real estate. My story is really similar to yours. And I called him. Okay. And uh, wow. I was barely doing YouTube at the time. And I, we probably talked for 20, 30 minutes. Okay. Instantly hit it off. Mm. And uh, he said something like, you know, we should do a collab or something together. Okay. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, but my schedule was so busy. I mean, I just didn't know. And I kind of yeah. lost track of things I forgot. Uh, and then that video comes out. And, it was, he, and he sent an email, something like, hey, you know, uh, you didn't get back over a collab. We weren't able to coordinate a collab or something. So 
I just did this video instead. And it was the what Graham Stephan isn't telling right. you. And what I wasn't telling you is that instead of putting 20% down on real estate, you could put 3% down. Right. And that's yeah. what I wasn't telling you. <laughs> and I watched the whole video and I was a little taken aback by like he's popping out of bushes at a playground and like, <laughs> but you know what? But I didn't have any issue with it. And I, yeah. I thought, you know, all things considered, it was a respectful video. Yeah. Fine. But the video started getting a lot of views. Mm. And like pretty soon I saw it like 20,000 views, 50,000 views. And at that time, exposed videos were like right. ramping up. Yeah. And so this was seen, a lot of people were clicking on this as like, what's the exposed video? Yep. And it got like 100,000 views. And that's when uh, my brokerage mentioned to me, when you type in my name on Google, mm -hmm. it, the first thing that comes up is what Graham Stephan isn't telling you. Oh. And so when people would type in, you know, the Oppenheim Group, Gram 7, or some combination right. of that, that would be the video that comes up. Mm. And the concern was that clients who see that are not going to watch a video. Yeah, like they'll that. just look at the title. It's a 20-minute video. Yeah, it's a 20-minute video. Yeah, video. They're just going to be like, well, he's not telling me. It's it's a bad look. Yep, 100%. And so, uh, so that was the issue that we had with that. But Kevin eventually changed the title. I mean, we still get that yeah. to this day as YouTubers. It's like people just look at your title and automatically yeah. judge. Like, that's what yeah. your whole yeah. video is about. You could be a 20-minute video. Right. And they're like, oh, you know, and it's yeah. like, watch the video. Yeah. Man. Well, some yeah. of the titles <laughs> are used tongue-in-cheek. So it's like yeah. the, the mother of all bubbles is here i mean that's in reference to like a quote that somebody said and we, we right to debunk yeah. that or, yes. or or mention it so yeah, like you said last week there wasn't a bubble what do you mean now there's a bubble and it's like watch the video it's man. like people reading books by their titles it's just like i read yeah. the whole book yeah <laughs> lord of the rings okay got it <laughs> harry potter oh gosh yeah i don't so, like that it's a book about a the hairy guy named potter <laughs> <laughs> magic something that's bad yeah yeah that's but yeah and then andre when you when you came out you just had a whole new fresh take that was just beautiful yeah you know? no the advantage i have over over people like kevin is i always say is that kevin's much smarter than i am so the way that he presents his videos is it's very i suppose presumptuous in the language that he uses mm -hmm. and it's presumptuous in the sense that it makes sense if you are plugged into the market every day and you're watching yeah. it but i think for the average person it's like how what do you what's the fed what are you talking yeah. about like how are these variables connected to each other and so um, I wanted to, I suppose, flip the script and, and instead of like building my YouTube channel for the sake of like people being like, this guy's so smart, being like, oh, cool, he breaks it down to average people and that's kind yeah. of the way I took it. No, 100%. And, you know, it's interesting for your, your, you know, when you came out, Andre, and your channel started to take off, it, it's like you had a disadvantage and you had advantage. Your disadvantage was, um, you know, obviously there were already channels in place, right? But at the same time, like, and it's an advantage because the space was already built. It wasn't like you were trying to grow into something that wasn't there. It was right. like Graham was already growing. Right. Like there was a lot of creators, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, with, with Kevin going back to like his success, you know, why can't other people duplicate his success? I think one, he just outworks, I think yeah. most people. Two, uh, extensive knowledge on real estate is probably the most knowledgeable person on real estate. Like yeah. he could tell you like why that door frame is not quite right. right. You should have used this wood, like right. crazy detail. Right. Like I watched his Ben Mala video and he just completely decimates Ben Mala in this video uh, from a few weeks ago, just decimates him. Like he's going through the house and he's like, what, what are you doing with it? Like, yeah. And he just owns him. I'm like, that's yeah, but just Kevin, I watched that. Kevin was applying metrics that would work in his area in Ventura to yeah. a mansion in Florida where it, just a different market. That's well, how I felt. To be fair, Ben Mala didn't look like he was doing a very good job on that thing anyway. Yeah, but when you look at <laughs> ROI in a place like that, you're just not going to get the same. A lot of it, you may as well just leave as is. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. 
That's true. But yeah, you gotta you gotta have that knowledge to bring it over to like convert. I guess you can say. I've always poked fun of uh, Kevin's re, uh, remodeling approach. He's like, "Oh, this house is falling down. Glaze it." I missed. I, those are some of my favorite videos yeah. where he was buying the real estate and the titles are like, "My house is falling off a cliff." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved. This. Oh, yeah. oh, I remember my favorite video is I found a dead body. <laughs> oh my god, that was a video. That was a video. Is I found a dead body, <laughs> and it was a, a, a dead animal in the attic oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> i had no clue I didn't and then know yeah there's another one i think he took took this video down or changed the title his uh video was titled i left my wife for a model oh <laughs> all right and he left his wife to go make an offer on, on a, a model, model home <laughs> That's great. These oh titles were so clever. Oh, that's great. Uh, or I bought a house on quicksand. I believe was one of his titles. <laughs> wow. And it was oh, like I, I forget, but like they were so clever and so yeah. good. Um, oh, yeah. people get very nostalgic about him in terms yeah. of like get back to your old roots, your real estate days. That's what yeah. I used to yeah. enjoy. But it's, you know, you know what the thing so. is? There's more viewers and the audience is so much bigger doing anything other than anything real estate. Other, yeah. But yeah. the real estate audience is so passionate, passionate about, yeah. and they'll they'll watch anything real estate but it's yep. like 10 percent of right. the market as any other video right. yeah right. so like the stimulus checks i was like everybody was clicking on those videos like yeah. what's the update man twelve hundred dollars yeah. now yeah. two thousand dollar check yeah. remember that it was like two to three he grew a day. so much from those Ooh, videos because he was nuts. first before cnn was able to make their yeah videos. and you know what remember he was number one on trending he was the first finance creator <gasps> ever to be number one on was trending. it number one Whoa. or number two number one wow Number wow. one on trending for a stimulus update. Wow. But yeah, he, he, yeah, as soon as it came out, I remember he would, he would read through this thing and pump out a video, and it was a detailed video where he'd go over everything yeah. faster than yeah, yeah. any news yeah, outlet, like you mentioned. Yeah. He's the best source of news. I watched, yeah. back then I watched every single one of his videos, and he was posting five to six of them a day. Oh my, yeah, that was yeah. insanity. 40 yeah. million views a month or and something. And people would always ask me, who watches those videos? Like, I watch every single one. It doesn't apply to me. I just find it so interesting. It's so entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my that's goodness. Cool. So, uh, oh, by the way, before we before we end, I want you to guess how much my outfit costs. Your outfit? Yeah. Ooh, what, what are you, I can't, can you, what are you tell wearing? us the brands? Oh, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to look at this. So I got, uh, well. What is that? Tom Ford? Tom Ford. Okay. Is that uh, like real Tom Ford? I I'm going to guess free. Think. Everything. Yeah, yeah, Jason probably bought you that if That's I free. had to guess. That's free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you would have paid for it, this is like a $500 shirt. No yeah, way. I was trying to find these. I might how, how, okay, how 500 yeah. What is that made of? Feel it. It's just like, like really, okay. really, really soft material. <laughs> uh, it's nice, yeah. but like I have shirts that feel like that. They're not 500 It's the brand, yeah, I, I suppose. It's just the brand. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. But I got a whole bunch of Tom Ford shirts. Whoa. A whole Dang. bunch of them. That's yeah. cool. From Jason. Jason. Yeah, it's, it's actually be. Brett Oppenheim. Was that oh, just Brett. like he bought you it or it was like his old old? No, old. so he gives me his own clothes. That's cool. So yeah, so he's not got a small closet, but you know, a smaller sized closet. And he seems to cycle through his wardrobe. Like yeah. once a year, he'll yeah, buy yeah. new stuff. And I get everything that he doesn't wear anymore. And it fits me perfectly. And sometimes too, it's like <laughs> if he bulks up a little bit, it doesn't fit him anymore. So he gives it to me and it fits me perfectly. That's cool. Yeah. So I, all, and, oh, it, and a lot of them are tailored. And wow. it just so happens that we're the same size and they fit me. It's like, like they're a tailored fit. Wow. It's incredible. That's, That's why cool. they say yeah. in life, it's about who you know. Who you know in yeah. life, man. That's the whole but game. You know what sucks is I don't have anyone else that I could pass on some of the clothes that he's passed on to me that I no longer wear. Mm. Oh. So, 
That's really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like yeah. a year or two, I think. Yeah, 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 a few in a few years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if Jack if Jack were my size, just give him to Jack. Um, so I, I got to find someone else to pass because I can't just throw. I would never throw them away. Right. Just donate them. I, I want to see someone wear them. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's like put them to good use. Put them to good use. Yeah. yeah I want. I want to see the. You huh. know, Give, give them to me, and then you could say, I, I gave the shirt off my back Actually, to Andre. <laughs> Andre, you, yeah, would you would fit. I think I would fit. You would fit some of the stuff that doesn't yeah, fit yeah. me. Yeah, I think I would. Because mm -hmm. we're not that far off. I have a whole bag of clothes I was going to give uh, to Jack, but I'll let you look through Yeah, let me know. Oh, all right. So with that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe, by the way, if you haven't done that already. Uh, and also make sure to use FTXUS down below in the description with the code MMFTX. Sponsor our videos. They've been fantastic with fees, by the way, that are much lower than the competition. So with that said, thank you so much. Subscribe until next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.